0: Hi, I'm Dave Barnes, and I'm John McLaughlin, and welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with...
1: Very Dean.
0: Hey, Dave. Dave, shoot, John, yeah. dad
1: comment. It. It's okay, no, you nervous.
0: I, I am. Hey, I got a big question for you. Not okay. to make you more nervous, but I'm Jeez. I'm talking like huge questions. Okay. Okay, let me uh, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready right you now. Ready? Yes. Okay. I'm going on tour this fall. <clears throat> well, you are. Ner- my, you're nervous. I got to get my voice. A little back puberty flashback there. Okay, go ahead. I need a podcast recommendation. Oh, okay. That's huge. Oh, that's a biggie.
1: Um, Have you checked out the Imagine Faith Talk Pod on That Sounds Fun one? Oh,
0: go on.
2: I oh, haven't. Okay, but I, okay. I was
1: going to. You interrupted. I'll set it up like <laughs> this, okay? What if two men on different paths, an ex-male exotic dancer turned life coach and a pre-med student turned musician, came together with the same realization that you don't have to sell your soul to obtain your dreams? Ooh,
0: and that the key to unlocking everything you've been dreaming of was found through faith in God. Am I am I on the right path? No, I, well, I'm listening. Okay, I'm picking I'm up in. everything you're putting down. I'm in. Let
1: me, let me finish that. You kind of keep interrupting.
0: Okay, but I'm subscribing.
1: Right, hang on. Okay. Right now. now. Okay. Done. I saw you do it. Episodes are hosted by Kevin Olusola, beatboxer of three-time Grammy Award-winning, multi-platinum-selling acapella quintet, Pentatonics, and what a author... What like, Thank you. I'm just making this up on the fly. <laughs> and
0: author, life coach, and entrepreneur, Donovan D. Donnell. Okay, well, did you know this? That through each deep dive into the Bible, they discover how to maximize uniqueness, weaponize the imagination, Ooh. and leverage faith in God for success. Okay. The hope is simple, to find the tools to optimize your performance through partnership with God. Well, you know what? For a new subscriber, you just nailed that John. I did. I you did. did. And episodes come out every Wednesday, wherever you download your podcast.
3: Imagine, Imagine Faith,
0: Faith podcast. podcast. Man, that was good.
1: Hey, y'all. It's Dave from Dadville. Hopefully by now you know that Dadville is a wonderful, fun side gig for John and I as we're both actually singer-songwriters <laughs> in our real life here in Nashville. And speaking of singer-songwriter, I wanted to tell y'all about my latest release, Remembering Greatest Hits Acoustic. Over the last few months, I've been releasing some of my favorite songs I've ever recorded, And you can hear them all right now. That's literally right now. It has been so fun hearing these stripped-down acoustic versions of songs that people know and love. These are the songs that helped me build my career, and I'm so excited to share them with y'all in a new way. So, if you can, and you will, and you want to, go check out Remembering Greatest Hits Acoustic, available now. So, I I don't know. So, we're starting right now, by the way. I'm so excited. All right. So, everybody's got to be professional. Barry, I'm going to tell you something you might not believe, but this is true. You have been the most requested guest. That makes no sense. I'm telling you. You're not going to believe me, but this is true. Mm -hmm. We had uh, someone today, literally today, sent me a message on Twitter or Instagram and said, hey, you guys got to have Barry Dean on. True story. And then it was from your account. And then there was another one. The real Barry Dean. The real Barry Dean. It was. (laughs) And then um, I've had like, uh, you know, Sadly, this will, this guy, I'm going to expose, I'm, I'm sort of going to, the truth as quickly, you've had like two or three requests, which means, <laughs> but still, but, relatively but speaking, relative to others, yeah. that is two or three more than really anybody else. Um <laughs> no, but but it's me, Jen, my wife. And yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. kidding. Barry, this is the truth. Like people have literally, like, it's so interesting to me that I, I'm like, isn't it I'm very old. You must have well. You just have reach. <laughs>
3: I'm like man. Who knew? It's just my a lot of expectations out <laughs> right there. For now this I'm episode. feeling that you know exactly. To speak my language. Um, So it's so, I, I, so we are
1: super duper thrilled, you're on here. <laughs> Yes. Um, so um, you. I don't care if it's a library. You said you listen to podcasts, and yes. so you know it's about to happen. Um, yeah. This is our brag sheet, and I, I had to do
3: oh, editing okay. here. Now, my wife said to me a few minutes ago, before yeah. I walked in, she said. Did you send him a bio or any information? And I said, "Why would I send him that? He knows me." She's like, "But he may want to say." It. And I, so oh, I did not send. It. No, that's what I'm. That's what's oh, happening right well, now. I can't wait to up. hear. Okay. what. Okay, make no. up some things. If okay. Need to.
1: Um, so this is this is uh this is your life, uh Barry. Oh, I'm just gonna read it because it's actually a really well written thing. So oh, Barry Dean takes nothing for granted. Isn't no there? he doesn't yeah. who, okay. said that? Nope. Even, <laughs> who said that <laughs> who said that who said that I like crazy. that idea though I want to live up to <laughs> that right yeah listen, listen what, aspirational what, <laughs> what are bios except for aspirational yeah. for all being honest it's what we're shooting for right it's not the truth it's what could be um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: man that's going to make me laugh <laughs> I like, feel like my favorite person <laughs> at the office did you say the thing about nothing for granted because that's a really good point gosh I should beautiful. take nothing for granted Okay, uh, even after earning a
1: Grammy nomination for Tim McGraw's Diamond Rings and Old Barstools and topping charts with four number one singles, he remains awestruck each time he hears a song he wrote on the radio. I feel that way, too. Uh, Dean can still, Dean, that's such a baseball name, can, uh, still can't help but think of how he seemed destined, there's so much this I want to talk about, by the way, to work a nine-to-five in Kansas, fate that now seems preposterous, Ooh. given his track mm. record, which is punny. Two number 1 singles for Little Big Town Pontoon and Day Drinking which are yeah. jams yeah. bops as a kid say Think a Little Less <laughs> which uh topped the charts for Michael Ray Headache Medication which most recently hit number 1 for John Party Ingrid Michaelson's top 40 smash Girls Chase Boys and an ever growing list of country isn't it great Oh the, I um, want to talk about that I want to talk about okay. that chorus Yeah right. we'll get there All the Pokémon in the Western rules. Beat yeah gosh so good. <laughs> You jerk. An (laughs) ever-growing list of country and pop successes proved Dean is doing exactly what he's made to do. Here's the other thing I want to go back because I I did a little compilation of a couple of bios. Um, The other thing, there's some really, this is one of my favorite things I've ever read. Okay. His first songwriting cut was Reba uh, McIntyre playing uh, Moving Alita, which is a beautiful song. Personal song Dean wrote based on his grandmother's love for his spouse. She went through Alzheimer's, which is amazing. This Mm. is one of my favorite things I've ever read. Next it says, his first single, <laughs> Martina McBride's "God's Will," was also personal, written in response to his daughter's premature birth. Mm-hmm. Rolling Stone included. do You know this? No. "God's Will" on the list of the saddest country
3: oh. songs of all <laughs> time. I'm so on. I, I saw that I even, I and I was like, yeah. "What a top forty? What I mean. <laughs> <laughs> top forty saddest songs?" I was like, "Yes." <laughs> that is a, what a interesting. I just want to be included. Well, yeah. mean, here's, you, the Listen, wrong, in here's the thing. Listen, here's the thing: <laughs> is that that is
1: saying like. <laughs> to be on the country saddest <laughs> list is like being on the heavy metalist most metal. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like yeah, the genre is came up. <laughs> it's so a baked in
3: part of the genre anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. So yeah, really to that bullseye. Sad. Right, and you think of all the sad songs that was. That's pretty exciting, really. it's It's a bullseye within a bullseye. You're nailing. Yes.
1: That is exactly the joke I was about to say. Literally. I mean, I I just, I giggled. Like, I was reading this bio, and I was like, saddest Saddest country country song. Well,
3: (laughs) there's plenty of choices there. But is there a party that sort of goes, yeah, I nailed that. That's exactly what we (laughs) were going for. No, it's a, I'm grateful, but it's also kind of funny where you kind of go, oh, because there's a twist in that. I don't know if I should say this, but uh, I wrote with Tom Douglas, and uh, and that was our first song we ever wrote. That is a power duo well he's the power i was new i was the new guy and um we he's l- the power you make it the duo <laughs> i was just typing yes sir yes sir what would you say what do you think sir you know i couldn't even call him tom yet sir. mr douglas do you feel mr, mr. Douglas? tom yes. douglas mr tom douglas. That, <laughs> that was when you got comfortable mr yeah. tom douglas is
0: there anything that would kill the creative vibe in a co-write if you just kept talking <laughs> saying sir person? <to> <laughs> sir. Sir. Sir.
3: yes sir yes if sir. you just keep saying that <laughs> and you know like jaron writes with tom and he has no problem with that he'll oh, just yeah. laugh right at you know, mm-hmm. but but I'm still pretty. Uh, I think everybody knows pretty deferential to Mr. Douglas. And, oh my uh, gosh! I call him the maestro most times. Yes, maestro, yeah. You know, it's easier because yeah. you go. I mean, respect, but it, it, I and don't know, he's got for people who are listening who don't
1: know about Tom Douglas. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just he's like he's he's one of the goats of Nashville. Yeah, he is. Songwriting, but he's got that special that's on yeah. Peacock or yeah or Hulu. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, one one, of, one those. of those that's about songwriting. Love that is just Tom. It's called love. Anybody Talk. listening, if you like, even if you don't like, if you aren't a songwriter, just like music, it is it's, an incredible thing.
3: You know, I've known him a while, and um, he sent me a rough edit of that, and I it was during the lockdown, and I remember just calling him and uh, becoming very emotional talking mm-hmm. to him, saying, "You've made something here with this team, you know, that is." Uh, it's it's really art. It's really beautiful. Yeah, it's and so cool. Don't don't edit it. Don't tweak yeah, it. Don't yeah. turn it into it is what it's supposed to be just if I could throw my body in front of it and go this is yeah. so precious. Yeah. Cuz it's very, you know, I loved his talk at the Hall of Fame. Oh my gosh. There's a speech out there somewhere I think on YouTube of his commencement speech yep. at MBA. He he's known for these kinds of things Eloquence. but but this was a moment where visually and and, hmm. and the editing and the way they told the story was the best presentation of, of kind of distillation of Tom's yeah. life work yeah. in a way, I think.
0: This is the documentary you're talking about?
3: Yeah, it's kind of this documentary of how he comes to be a songwriter, but he's talking to, much like his speech at, at the Hall of Fame, he's talking to the young writer who says, I'm heartbroken, it's not going the way I think. Why do I do this? What should I do? Mm-hmm. And he's answering that question in the documentary and doing it... Um, at at its, like, it's it's Tom at uh, 10, uh, 15 on a 1 to 10. Just, yeah. like, uh-huh. perfectly yeah. hewn into yeah. this thing. It just, it just cuts I you wherever you live. That. It's that really. That sounds like it. something I n- would need what? to watch weekly. Oh, it is. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 It sort of does the. In some ways, the opposite of what he's trying to do, because you're so impressed with how good he is, you actually end up back at like, why am I doing <laughs> why this? Why am I doing this?
0: Right, exactly. You it does I mean? do that. Yeah, you need to make it, le- throw yeah. some more ums Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Drop your <laughs> yeah. notes. Yeah. For a yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Well, in Tom's methodology, Tom is an an interviewer in a way, yeah. in a co-writer. Yeah, yeah. And, uh-huh. and, but he, if you try to turn it on him, he's normally one who doesn't talk a lot about himself. He's yeah. not a person who does that. He's the person who's asking, yeah. not the person who's answering. Yeah. I've tried it. And sometimes oh. he'll grin at me like, "I'm sorry, I don't think you understand our roles." This is done in. And <laughs> he's like, "I'm Mr. Douglas." I'm Mr. Look, Douglas ironically, too. I feel like you have done
0: this so far in this interview. I was like, going to say, "Dad talk about you, man, there. Okay, There's so so that.
1: back to here's here's the other things. I mean, it's just a lot of it's a lot of freaking songs being recorded. I mean, look at this list of people: Jason Aldean, you have to. Charlotte Church, Billy Currington, Brett Eldridge, Hunter Hayes, Toby Keith, Allison Krauss. That is. That, that is a cut awesome. I really envy. Yeah. That would be so cool to have her sing a song. Ra- Reba McIntyre, Jaco and Thomas Lee and Rimes, Carrie Underwood, John Party Brothers, Osborne Laura McKinnon, Marin Morris, you name it. A ton. That's of people. Pr- that's that's all of them. So here that's here, here is Here is something that I think is you have a, a lot of things that are really interesting about you. Hmm. Uh one of the things it's, that's... the it's, first time that's been said.
2: <laughs> so go right <laughs> yeah, ahead. Yeah. Very excited. I can't yes. I'm going to take notes. Um
1: that. I think one of the things so interesting we're talking about, Tom, is that you guys have a similarity in this, in that you had come up doing one thing for a while occupationally. Yeah. And, and like you were living in Kansas. Mm-hmm.
3: You're in sort of like technology world. Yeah, education. Is that That's where you're awesome. from originally? Yeah, I was born in Oklahoma, but raised in a little town called Pittsburgh, Kansas. Okay. and like 18,000 people. And you know who's from there? Jen Shot. Oh, I know uh, Jin- is from I love there. Jin. My wife and Jen Shot cheerleaded together. Wow. And Jen Shot cheerlead. Together cheerlead. Have no. we fully avatar? We, we, we finally have a become one, one person. <laughs> we have. We didn't just say the
1: same thing, we said it at exactly same, same time, the same time. It pace. was
3: stereo for me because you're I visually and audio <laughs> auditorily uh, however yeah. you say that. It was this way. You know, both leaned in cheerlead. Yeah. And uh, and then her father was a an instructor and taught me when I was young. So oh, cool. so yeah. What was it like growing up
0: in Pittsburgh? but not that Pittsburgh. But that's a thing that
1: <laughs> very stays different. with you. you Does know, it just have different.
3: an asterisk on the city sign? <laughs> <laughs> it well, doesn't they always even say, explain, just has it up there. We always say we're a sister city, <laughs> but we don't have the H. So I've always assumed oh, we didn't have okay. enough people you know, to get <laughs> okay. the... Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> we can be sister cities, but... <laughs> Every time they
0: do the census, it's like... <laughs> Almost uh, an H. If you time. guys can get to 20K, we will give you an <laughs> We will touch. <push> it. <laughs> I think that's about right. people who, like, who went to Samford, University. Oh, of, that's it's tough. kind of a similar that's experience tough. where it's like really you spelling, yeah. and you got to be like, I think you. No, it's Samford. Stanford. Nothing against Samford. It's great school. I think you thought I said Stanford. It's it's Harvard. We don't have an R. Um, so Harvard. <laughs> okay, yeah. so you grew up in Pittsburgh. I grew up there,
3: little town. And um, you, what's it like? It's a it's a football town, and uh, it was. Uh, it kind of grew from strip mining, uh, so uh-huh. now we have lovely uh, ponds everywhere. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> That's what's okay. left. Okay. <laughs> That's what's left. People are like, oh my gosh, it's hilly. Is it the foothold, foothills of the Ozarks? No, no, that was strip mining. And um, but uh, yeah, so it was a it was a small town. My parents had moved there, and my my dad was gonna he t- he t- he taught did work at the university there for a bit, and then. He started a little company and my mom with a couple of other people put 50 bucks in and started a company to serve teachers and their students, specifically back then, like in industrial arts. I don't know if that's before your time, but, you know, woodworking and leather craft Mm. and all those things. So servicing that. And then that moved into technology education, which became sort of applied physics, which is now called STEM or STEAM. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So so he was really early in that. Wow. And and so that's... uh, that's so he started that with your mom and some other friends. Yeah, there was yeah there was three teachers. My my dad and two other teachers. the The other two teachers were going to write a book uh-huh. about some ideas to help in the classroom. And this was I mean I was very little when this happened, and so uh, little boy. And uh, did he leave his like? Did he stop being a professor after to do this? After a, a, a short while, he did, and um, the other two went back to teaching uh business was too stressful and too risky uh-huh. and uh he and mom took it on and uh and you know just worked all the time i mean mm, they just yeah. worked it was just a really hard road and and they had both come from rural oklahoma and uh from wonderful families but but no money or you yeah. know i mean they came from you know tough tough backgrounds mm-hmm. and then uh, found their way there and found their way into starting this company, and and they ho- owned that company for 50 years. In the end. wow, so st- the statistical percentage of companies that last 50 years, right. is so small, and for them to have owned it uh for 50 years and th- they Whoa. just sold it a year ago.
0: What is the on the list of like companies that have lasted 50 years, but yeah. a, but also who were founded by a married couple,
2: who yeah. la-
3: and then that lasted. Yeah, I that, mean, lasted, that is yeah. that's a. Short list, they you know, uh, they work as uh, as a team. Frankly, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. you know, it was a, it was a. I didn't understand what they were doing. I, I wish I could say that I did. I I was the firstborn, so I think I competed with the company a lot. I didn't. Oh, yeah. You know, I felt like it, My dad was uh, gone a lot. He mm-hmm. was working. He was driving literally from school to school across mm-hmm. the country, building uh, a brand you yeah. know basically we don't we didn't call it that he was just trying to serve teachers and students even as they were leaving the company and selling it he still wouldn't let people talk about sales internally he didn't want to hear numbers of dollars he wanted to hear number of students served Jeez. number of teachers served he really was missional and cause oriented and mom was too and um and and I would say this that that probably is something that is we're different but there's a similarity in the way Jen and I work you know cuz mm. we do sort of work we do work as a team. And there's this great uh, illustrator, artist, and book, children's book author named Oliver Jeffers. I love him. I love Oliver Jeffers. He just posted something the other day about how everyone always thinks Oliver does everything. Mm. And he's like, my wife and I, are, we work as a team, not separately. Wow. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with people who do it the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, you know, uh, maybe his father-in-law said this, but he, he was saying, she, you know, she's making the snowballs. I'm just throwing them. Wow, mm. and I think there's a lot of that in my. You know life. who's who's like that surprised me was Jim Gaffigan. Mm, is that right? His, his, oh, yeah. wife, his wife writes wife a lot is, of his jokes yeah. with him. He's right inside that mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I mean, so like anyway, that's probably more than you. But but it was a is a case where, you know, we we spent a lot of time at the office and yeah. um and it was a, it was you know it was a different world then. Were right? you were you into music early, or when mm-hmm. when did that? So you my mom was a piano teacher and everything like that. She wouldn't teach me because I was such a horrible student, and uh, but I I took piano and played saxophone and I never learned guitar because I was whiny and. Not discipline. And then, um, <laughs> then some. That's actually exactly why I You're guitar. actually primed for it. Yeah. 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 You should have. I, d- I have now, you know. Yeah, You've seen I can Kurt offend. Cobain's work at all. That's right. When I found open tunings in my 30s, I was like, wait a Ooh. minute. Oh, oh. What? Here's your door in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? It's
0: so we're the same. I've I played piano all my mm-hmm. life, but I played saxophone. Yeah. And then later in life, picked up the guitar and now i can play a little bit of guitar. well and guitar
3: players tend to especially electric players love saxophone yeah really they study coltrane and they study all that kind of yeah. stuff what's so the reason for the parker, charlie there. parker lots of notes i think yeah. um you know <laughs> <That's too many laughs> but, notes but, but but no, they're always trying to find phrasing that magic and, you know there's a magic phrasing there's a magic right. set of a scale right. that will open it up right yeah. and so uh yeah so that's and that's why shot's dad was the college teacher of saxophone and Oh, so, and that's mm. so, so. Where did yeah. you go to college? I went to college at a little, Pittsburgh State University, that little college. Oh, wow! But I don't and have that's a where degree. They, they worked. No, the, the, um, Dad had a job there when he first moved up there, but only for a few years. And then they worked at this little company called Pittsco, uh, Pittsburgh Industrial Teacher Service Company. And then that became—they uh, had divisions. They had a printing division and then of so this is—they—they built like is a, like an a, operation, big company. They, yeah, I think uh, when I went, you know, I said I would never. I I worked there as a kid, I, so I swept floors and mm-hmm. packaged orders and all that stuff. But then when I got to be, uh, I kind of got them this idea that I wanted to be a producer or a songwriter when I was probably... Uh, seventh or eighth grade but there oh, was wow no, there was no rock and roll allowed in the house i mean it was really a, you could have billy graham's fave like you could have like johnny cash because they're friends okay and okay. you could have Elvis, because he did the four gospel right. records and my dad loves those and uh olivia newton john just passed so we mm-hmm. could we yeah. could have olivia newton john but not like physical physical this way would have been that. like have you ever, never been mellow or yeah, yeah that, yeah, that yeah, era yeah, yeah. very I, I love you you know real yeah, soft yeah, yeah, yeah
0: dave 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 no that was good i thought we were gonna go one more phrase
1: sorry that's my bad i got nervous and sort of hung it up quick john don't
0: you just love a nice
1: late summer bike ride around the hood oh my gosh
0: you know i do dave but you know what i love even more tell me is riding my electric e-bike uh-huh. aka not worrying about pedaling sometimes you're riding your bike and uh. you're pedaling and you're like i want to keep riding the bike but i don't want to pedal anymore. let me tell
1: you one thing i want to stop worrying please. about please pedaling i just don't want to pedal. i don't want to worry about that i have enough stuff go. you make yeah. a great point john what is your favorite route or route
0: i'll tell you what okay the other day, mm-hmm. I uh, it was a Sunday morning, actually, mm-hmm. and I, I went on a little bike ride. Ooh. I had a little coffee Ooh. in my hand. And let me tell you what risky, was so great risky. about that. Yep. It's risky on a regular bike, but on my electric Say e-bike, tell him, John. I didn't have to pedal, so I'm not spilling any Gosh. coffee. You can dedicate your pedaling brain energy to my coffee holding energy. <laughs>
1: Gosh guys ah <laughs> uh, listen i want to tell you something else okay electric e-bike is the fastest growing e-bike company in the u.s and it's easy to see why yeah. electric e-bikes are affordable customizable and ship free fully assembled it's like getting a baby they're just ready to go they're ready to you go you don't have to Boom. put them together okay yep. plus they quickly fold in half no bike rack or truck required
0: and dave they're surprisingly affordable mm. starting at just 7.99 $2, what <laughs> right what I know how's this company even doing it <laughs> that's way less than the competition plus they are adjustable and customizable I know you said that but I wanted to say it Dude, again please and do. they're so comfortable even for people who don't normally ride bikes
1: and you know what John if what? you you know me I, yeah. I, I love comfort I can't get away from it you love, com- I love that's it. like your thing it is
0: yeah. it is let me, hey, let me ask you something okay can you guess how long you can ride electric e-bike on a single charge what's your guess seven feet 20 feet no, I'll give you another guess. Okay, go ahead. Uh, 68
1: kilometers. No, uh, wait, 2.5 Rhode Islands. That's a good You guess. always guess 2.5 Rhode Islands. <laughs> <Dude>. That's close.
0: <laughs> you can cover up to 45 what? miles at up to 28 no. miles per hour on just a four to six hour charge. Listen, that will get me to the church on Cumberland Road for sure. For That's sure. That's what I did there. Now, where will your e bike adventures take mm. you, people? Go to electricebikes.com and get $100 off. Any e-bike purchase. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C,
1: ebikes.com.
0: So when you were growing up, did you have a sense of like, Okay, so I'm gonna wear out Johnny Cash and Elvis because
3: that's yeah. that's the closest I'm getting to like anything you the could outside. get. Yeah, yeah. So you you mostly you're hearing my mother liked jazz. I remember when because I'm much older than you guys. I remember when Billy Joel's 52nd Street came out, mm-hmm. and I was they would let me buy it because I told him it was jazz because he was holding a trumpet. Jazz, <laughs> oh my god, jazz was god. fine. Jazz wouldn't corrupt <laughs> he just anyone. Like yeah. Drew in a trumpet. Yeah. Well, he's holding on the cover <laughs> the the trumpet. He doesn't play the trumpet. He's holding one. I was like, yeah, jazz and uh so <laughs> jazz <laughs> it could be jazz surely he played some jazz there's some, at some jazz point. You in found a ticket new orleans <laughs> you know yeah there's a yeah. horn <laughs> yeah so they didn't so yeah i, I rock and roll was kind of contraband you were supposed to do music at church you know that right. kind of a thing and so so what happened in seventh and eighth grade what was the thing you heard or saw
0: that made you want to well go I,
3: I heard i found out there was christian well my joke is i had a christian rock band in high school that was neither. <laughs> and which is true it's so painfully true we were just like the theology was bad and the and we didn't rock and um but we were trying the theology and the rock were bad. both were bad and um <laughs> the two but, things you were bringing to the table and the saddest part is we were absolutely 110 percent in you, know? you have yeah. to be you can't pretend what you was weren't. the name of the band hartminder Yeah, oh yeah. That actually sounds pretty (laughs) intense. Oh, we had t-shirts and uh, all of that. And opened for... Well, I can't believe we're telling this story. Uh, Opened for Joe English. Joe English was the drummer for Wings for a while. Okay. And then he left and had a Christian rock band. Oh, I kind of know about And then he played in a band after Petra. That singer did a band called Pieces of Eight. And so... um, we opened for him uh, in Minot, North Dakota, as an example, mm-hmm. and uh, our band opened for that band. John Lowry, who later ends up in Petra, was in it. George Cascini was in it. Jeez. There were people in that band that became session people here. The f- crazy part of the story is wait, not and not in your band. You're saying the other band. In the other band. Yeah, no, not my band. I my was going to be amazed if you're like my we band, were kind of a big deal. No, we were not a big deal. And um, but I'm going to say it was less than two years ago. Uh, we were sitting and visiting with Tom, Douglas, and me, and some others. And he starts telling a story about his first trip to, and I know this is not a Tom Douglas talk, but why not? Um, his <laughs> first time through in Nashville, when he didn't kind of feel like he succeeded, and then he goes to Texas, and then he comes back as the Tom mm-hmm. Douglas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as the Tom, as the Tom Before Douglas. Before it was the Sir. the Tom the, Douglas. Yes, yeah. He
1: was the Tom Douglas, then he came back. The, the time, time does That's, That's
3: right. And so difference. on that trip, that first round, he became a road manager for Joe English. Wow. And we realized that we probably were there <gasps> no together. Way. We just no. didn't know each other. But, two crazy. legends of country then, song, right? But we both ended up in a very cold place uh, with this show. And so, anyway. And you were playing piano? I played piano, yeah. Did you yeah. write songs then? I wrote kind of, yeah. I wrote some bad songs. And then I did some music like. When I was, I came out of high school and um, I I didn't ever graduate from college. This is something I'm very embarrassed about, but it's true. And um, though in my lifetime now I have like way too many hours, but I'm (laughs) lacking, I need to go back for a semester and do like algebra, lifetime fitness. I'm not kidding you. Life I've been a grad points. assistant twice at Colorado State, even though I don't have a graduate degree. Really? Yeah. And so, I mean. Do they
0: give out honorary high school diplomas? Surely you've yeah, got yeah, like a
3: cafeteria named after uh, you or something. No, <laughs> no. I, they, that's not how that worked. And uh, so, anyway, I, I did make a couple of recordings, uh, maybe I'm 18, of a couple of Christian songs. And while I'm there, I had a girlfriend, and I made a pop version of one of the songs you know how to write maybe not uh you guys have integrity and so i wrote like (laughs) two lyrics to the thing and the christian radio station wouldn't play it um in our little area and in joplin and um but then through the weather person at the big rock station that got on pop radio and it did a couple it did a lot of things it made me go it was crazy the reaction and all of a sudden i'm writing pop music and this is a big problem, right? And our the way I grew up was kind of a, you know, th- yeah, that's th- not allowed in the house. Yeah, dancing with the devil. you can't
0: even bring your own record home. Tomorrow. Right. I mean,
3: Petra and Sweet Comfort Band were pretty radical, you know. White Heart's pretty sketchy, uh-huh. and uh, so you're certainly if you're over there on the wide way. Yeah. And so then, uh, <laughs> so then I went to uh, Los Angeles. Uh, when i was pretty young probably no i went to tulsa first and worked in the studios there because that is a well-worn path by the way
1: yeah. Tol- tulsa right out to la <laughs> yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. well,
3: so many people from where i'm from and maybe it's true everywhere they'll say i'm getting out of this town and they'll either go to kansas city or overland park like 90 minutes away or they'll go to tulsa which is what i did yeah which is 90 minutes away and um you're like so close and yet no Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I I see where you're going with get out of this town, but I don't understand how being I'm gonna a, get out of this town technically. Technically, yeah. I'm gonna go to Springfield, Missouri. What are you doing over there? Well, I'm gonna do anime, and you're like, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. I'm gonna be a runway model, and it's just like you're so close. But um, well, <laughs> I did so the same closest. thing. I I mocked I'm myself. I'm a deep sea fish yeah, living so, in Phoenix. <laughs> so. I saw what my wife sent to be my bio, and one of the things she put in it to catch me was that I played for an Elvis impersonator in Tulsa, Oklahoma. True story. What? And um, so he, his slogan was, the greatest singer since Elvis. And most people don't know this. I can't believe I'm telling you this. But uh, I went to Tulsa, and I worked in those studios, jingles and things like that. And um, How old were you in it? 19, probably. Oh, wow. Something like that, 18, 19. And so you had that. the bug. Yo, Music yeah, oh, was badly. Was yeah, like was I wanted, you know, if, again, uh, one time Trent Dabbs and I were driving back on a long road trip in the middle of the night, and he decided to play uh, 80s Trivia. He had Spotify early, and so he would start them to see how long it took me to identify, and, and uh-huh. <laughs> it was, I'm pretty good at that game. Wow. Yeah. Now, you hit a certain era, yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah, the right. worst, yeah, but you, yeah. you get But that anything. little, yeah. You start around 80 and, and end in the 90s sometime, and I can probably, one snare hit, I can probably wow. do Wow. Yeah, I can do it off a of reverb. So, so you, were,
1: you were, like, you oh loved yeah. music. I you loved were in music, it. and I wanted to do it.
0: So when you're out with the Elvis impersonator, how yeah. many shows are we talking here? Are we, you on the road?
3: We, we never played a live show. He had already played a bunch, and we were supposed to play Vegas, but he was making records in oh, Tulsa, okay. recutting Elvis yeah. songs. Yeah. So you were learning, and I played sax, uh-huh. And I had like a synth stack, so I would do the chimes and the strings and the sax parts and the up a dollars, and those kinds wait, of wait 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 the what the up up a dollar up a dollar oh my god so you up-a-da. learn. Up-a-da. You, yeah you had to and he'd be like ah, when I say it I'll need and the ching 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 <laughs> you know you just do that little because he had a real oh, piano player he had a band he had this oil guy who was backing him it was completely whack and um, after a little bit uh i just realized this was
1: <laughs> not so prob- then but then you go to you do go to LA
3: i did go to LA yeah and how long were you there less than a year and uh doing trying to do music and stuff yeah and it wasn't bad i mean it was i don't have a bad story there um i did run out of brave you know but that wasn't <laughs> anybody's fault you know i have a i had, a, I had a counselor once who uh, kind of really saved me in my uh, 30s and he said Creativity is just an act of courage. That was mm. his phrase. Man. And so mm. when I look back yeah, right. at, I see that. at that guy, uh, me, in L.A., uh, uh, literally, Barney's Beanery, uh, yeah. Thanksgiving morning, I went there and had a bowl of chili from my Third lunch, Street Promenade? The one uh, in West Ho, West Hollywood. Yeah. And uh, so I was sitting there. Haven't been back, but I drive by it when I'm in L.A., and mm-hmm. I was call one of my kid, my son and say guess where i am and he'll say no <laughs> don't quit till you're winning and uh because it it really was a case where and the world has changed and my parents have changed I mean, you know my dad's a big fan of clapped and unplugged and uh-huh. you know it's it's nothing like it was but in that era it's kind of hard for everybody to figure that out but it was really seen as a really scary thing to go off and go yeah. into the rock and pop yeah. world. Right. And that was secular as compared to religious and it was so it created a real divide and um So did you go into it sort of like on guard? You know? No Like I you're going into the <laughs> well, den. No, it was more like I wanted to be there. That's where uh-huh. I wanted to be. What what was what was the pop that was happening in LA at that time? Oh, that would have been um <laughs> well you, Petty was starting to br- I mean Full Moon Fever comes out oh, okay. before I leave and uh, um, I'm trying to think of what else Scritti Politti and it was you no know, it was after Scritti but like Rick Astley's okay. on out okay. there okay. Prince's uh, Sign of the Times had already happened but Love, Sexy hadn't happened yet Black Album happened mm-hmm. Prince's Black Album um, Bad is out mm-hmm. but Dangerous is not so yep. so it's right in there late 80s and um or mid to late 80s, probably 88, something Okay. Like that. And Okay. Um, and I went out, and frankly, you know, I, w- I went to Dick Grove School of Music for a while and uh, met some people and recorded some things and had some meetings, and they went well. And um, this will sound crazy, but that probably created more pressure in me than... Uh, than failing i was kind of prepared for rejection and then it kind of worked yeah because the truth is and you know this both of you, you know, success is stressful mm. and success puts weight on a situation that failure doesn't failure is actually very clarifying mm. you know right where you are you know who your friends are and you know what you don't have Jeez. and so you know but when you suddenly have any kind of success if it's a uh, if the person, you know, my, I'll talk about myself. If I and I was not sorted out, I didn't have my own identity sorted. Right. I didn't have my right. own uh, issues sorted out. Then suddenly you are putting a lot of weight on something that can't handle it. And I think in retrospect that's what went down. Wow. So anyway, I had Thanksgiving lunch and then decided, you know what, I'm I'm going to go. I'm going to leave. And 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 where'd you go? I went back home to Kansas, and. Uh, Went to college for you know there I didn't graduate because I got a job opportunity about a year later. But where'd you go? Where'd you work? What was the job? Uh, The job was in Colorado, Western Slope, uh, Delta Schools. Um, There was a man from Pittsburgh, Kansas, named Mike Needen, and he was he was kind of like a second dad to me as well. And and he he went out there and he'd come back to find teachers for the school district. And he was a real leader in this what is the STEM world now, where your hands on, minds on, that kind of a thing and um he uh he ran into me when he was back in Pittsburgh, and I think he could see I was lost. Hmm. you know uh, um my d I just my dad said, "What do you want to major in?" And I said, "I don't care you pick Wow and so he picked printing management, and now I think he and I both would go, "Hey, what's up with this kid?" <laughs> but back then so, so it w- did you go back
0: not just going back home, but did you go to college because you were like, "Well, this is something that." you're just supposed to do right now or yeah. was it like i don't know what to do so i go gave to up music
3: i gave up everything music and thought i'm just going to go to college and get a job and you know be normal and it didn't matter what that was going to be i didn't think i didn't have a plan i didn't really yeah. have any plan and um so i sold everything except i kept a four track a drum machine and a uh my dx and um uh, mm-hmm. one of one of them and um And then I put him in storage, and I went to school, and then I got this job working with a school district where they were innovating new ways of doing. Again, for ease of description, STEM. They were they were going. How do we? And they were. And it was. And so he was like, I know you don't have your degree, but you need to come out here, and we're going to put you in this role, and. You're going to help us help wow. kids, and I had never. And again, that's very adjacent to what my parents were doing. You see that, but at the time it was, and I, I saw it differently because, I, again, I didn't think I would go back, and and uh, went to Colorado, loved it. it, was beautiful, loved him and his family, and still do. And um, so I was out there, and then he went to hire this guy. My dad went to hire this guy, Mike Needon. And Mike said, no, he wasn't going to leave at that time, Colorado. And But he said, you ought to hire your son. And uh, and so dad uh, asked me if I might consider it. And I said, no. And then he came out and we went to breakfast. And I said, OK, I'll come back for a year. And that was in 90. And the next time I moved was when we moved to Nashville in 2004. Holy cow. Huh. So it, it, was, it was, you know, again, that started a journey, I think, where, you know, kind of Creating bridges between my dad and I, and and uh, wow. and understand and beginning to understand what he w- he and mom were doing, and he he really saw it. I mean, if he were here, he would say, "Oh, I did these these many things wrong," um, it's just like I would say that about my own parenting. Yeah. But the reality was, he was they were a living and still are example of people who believed God had called them to do something, not in a haughty way or a this-gives-me-permission-to way, but in a it-is-my-work-to-do. Yeah, yeah. That I am here to help teachers and serve in this way. And he did that, and Mom did, faithfully that whole time. I mean, that's what they spent their life on. And so sometimes that meant um, if we took a vacation, it was related to a convention. Yeah, right. Anything we did was related. The whole family was involved, you know, and so... and I think they, if they were talking, they would go, "Oh, we shouldn't have done it like that." But, hmm. but in a way, it was. It, I never had a question of what motivated my parents. It was. Like, uh-huh. Wow, that's an interesting thing you to know, say. So, so it's. Uh, so I know there are things they would probably do different. Just like I know there's a bunch of things I would do different. Right. But but there was always a clarity that uh, you know that they were trying to help.
0: So to like way oversimplify it, would he? Do you think that he would just say like? I should have spent more time at home,
3: like left work at work a little bit more, like had a a little bit more of a balance there? That's a great question. Um, I think there is an element of the way you were raised impacting your parenting. And I think, you know, in that era, to say I want to go be a musician or a singer or a songwriter or something like that, it was not the American Idol era. It was not, that was a weird thing to say.
0: Well, you know, what's interesting, though, and I think it happened early enough that you were too young to maybe like experience it consciously. But your parents kind of did something that was unconventional. Yes. Right. I mean, they Mm -hmm. they broke away from what is sort of like the track and they did something risky and entrepreneurial and all that kind of stuff. So I wonder how that affected, you know, they had to have some kind of a effect even osmotically in the house that like Absolutely. this is an option on the table you could do your own sort of thing you know? yeah
3: when i was i remember being in high school my sophomore year we had to do reports and i so i wanted to interview producers and engineers so i literally you could call information to get a number i called uh <laughs> Uh, whatever it was called, Blanton and Harrell. M- m- oh, wow. And asked to speak with Brown Bannister. Uh huh. And, um, and he called me back and we talked for almost an hour. No way. And then I called LA, Lions Share Recording and asked to speak with Michael O'Mardian And he couldn't, but his engineer, John Guess, a brilliant engineer, called me back and talked Holy to cow. me for a long time. And then there was another producer I called. Again, That's amazing. that comes from, I think, my mom and dad. Yeah. The yeah. idea yeah. that, well, we, we've got to do something here, and we can't wait around for someone to yeah. do it for us. Isn't so that fascinating? So so yeah, there's, a very, there's still very much that way. Like business. a can-do... You, you just got to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, uh, you can't... Uh, and I think probably the other thing... I think, uh, you know, he was very encouraging, and I was, a, you know, I was a firstborn. I was stubborn. I'm uh, a Taurus or whatever you want to use. Um, I was a difficult kid, uh-huh. and um, and so I think, um, well, I'll say this: in my 30s, I read Five Love Languages for the first time, or maybe it was late 20s. I guess it was 30, maybe. And it changed my life because yeah. I suddenly realized he was trying through acts of service. To communicate something that he didn't really have the words for. Yeah, yeah. And it, you know, and it really broke my heart because mm-hmm. I realized that I had been waiting all this time. Yeah, for this other thing. Right. Wow. And it really changed how I, I saw him. Yeah. You know, and uh, and so that that really helped. Did you me. have that revelation while you were still living there? I did. Yeah. Oh, so that I'm sure that helped, right? Yeah. And yeah, I think so. And and again, you know, he's he's we're both a lot older now. We talk all the time. Mm. And. Uh, and I'm really grateful to have his, his advice. You know? so, yeah.
1: so, so this is such an amazing story. So the way that you got, I, I want to hear you tell the story because I think it's so great, but just how your wife encouraged you to do. So you, you were living in Kansas, working with your parents, yeah. th- your job. Yeah. And obviously s- music's still in there. It's
3: percolating. It's sort of Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you didn't sell all the gear. You kept well, that's interesting. Bit, I hadn't thought you know? about that. You're right. This is the piece that I'll keep. Just I hadn't thought of that, but that's exactly right. And and I became, what is the Cameron calls it, a uh, shadow artist. So when I came back in 90, it was still pretty uh, industrial artsy, right? But I had been out in Colorado around this new thing, and my dad was interested in this new thing that was happening. The rest of the little company was probably, you know, 16. Well, no, there were 32 employees, about Jeez. half of them were managers. And, and so I came back as kind of a disciple of this guy, Mike Needham, and, um, and was really hell bent for trying to do it right. So, you know, I'd read the books, the business books and, and I, I just do it. And so, uh, and he gave me a lot of, uh, latitude. I say sons of owners are either Tommy boy or they are the devil because if they're not Tommy boy, they're there for a reason. And, And I was, I wanted, um respect and love mm. and mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to and that's what I was looking for so we grew the company really fast and changed the nature of the company and and I had a real a you, a big part to play in that with hiring a team of we had animators and video Jeez. editing and a full studio the same as HBO's so ex- built exactly like HBO's but built in this nowhere little town in Kansas you know that I that my is home. so cool and um so we built the company up and um but then there was this question always you know. in the back so i would buy gear when i would fly to la or something i'd buy different things that i couldn't afford when i'd been there the first uh-huh. time you know and and slowly by slowly i'm putting stuff together and then there was a young christian artist uh in our town and uh she needed a place to record so i let him use that and i helped with that record and and she got signed to goatee and did some what was her name jennifer knapp Jeez. And so, um, so, yeah, so that was kind of this strange thing that I, I don't talk about it, but I was... Did you write on Did that she record? from there? Was I you? wasn't a writer then. I didn't write on it, but she's from Chanute there nearby. Okay. And so there was a guy, Byron Funk, he's still a guy. And um, he, was, he was her manager and yeah, her now. producer and her, I mean, everything. Yeah. And um, so, but I had built a studio yeah. and it was used mainly for voiceovers. Uh-huh. but it had you know Dead 24 gear. tracks and tons Jeez. of gear and neumann's and i mean it was wow built like a guy who's a shadow artist right yeah you know so if well, i built like a guy who wants to call and talk to an engineer yeah and right. So that's right that's right. right so i i did say to him you know if you needed a studio i know that there's a studio and you could use the studio so um so anyway that's uh they they started recording there and then we mixed that i helped mix that record and um but it was one of those things that I was around a little bit. Which has to be an interesting juxtaposition when you have one gig during the day.
1: Right. You know, that's so what that is. I mean, yeah. those, near the twain shall meet of those two.
3: You well, know? like at 5 o'clock, I would leave my office where I was running things. And I'd be wearing whatever khakis and a polo or a blue button down. And then I would go back and be, and be the assistant engineer to... How guy. did you change the outfit? I didn't That's change the outfit. That's what's funny, and and or and when we were mixing, you know, it, it was it was hard. I think for my team to to or surprising for them to have this guy barking, at, "Move that, move this," you know, when I had been the guy who was helping lead it. But then I helped mix the thing, and then they they went on and did what they did. You but know? you had me sitting in that studio. It's kind of like electric because
1: you're like, oh my god.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering I'm like at. when that happens. You know, when when the Jennifer Knapp first day of working on that thing happens and then the next day you're at work yeah how are you feeling as you're sitting through? is it hard to like sit through no. presentations or whatever
3: no at that time you know i was i was fortunate to be able to To sort of be directing things enough that you know we were doing really creative things. You know, we were working. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a creative element. Yeah, we were working. Our editors were trained at the American Film Institute. Our artists were working with top software people all over the country. So we were out of this little town in Kansas. This little company. We were growing this thing, and and I think when I stopped really being involved, it was at 190 employees, and it had really grown. Gracious. But I but I also didn't know where I fit in it anymore. There was a certain point where. You know, that kind of growth, again, success can kind of be deceptive, mm-hmm. is really hard on people. And, um, and I wasn't sure where I fit. And, I, and somewhere in there towards the end of that, fortunately, I meet Jennifer and uh, my wife. And uh, then we got married. And um, and so then we're discussing what's the next thing to do, right? And um, Is that out of a place because you're kind
1: of like, I feel like I'm sort of, I don't know what's going on occupationally
3: yeah i i didn't know where to go and i didn't know i didn't know if they really i didn't know if i was really w- fully wanted there you know it's still his company yeah. and i wasn't so there sure. wasn't
0: the typical kind of like i'm grooming you there's a yeah. track here you're gonna take over son
3: i know that exists but that was at that time that wasn't really how we uh, yeah, uh, my experience and 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 probably you know there's a there's probably a long talk about what all that is but The end result was somewhere in there I make a comment about things and another job or another thing that could be done. And Jen said, well, if it's your passion, and I laughed. And she was like, what is this? What is this laughing? And I was like, I'm in my 30s. That's not how we make decisions. I have a great job in a small town. We need to figure out what we're going to do. Yeah. And, um, well, what did you want to do? Well, I don't know. And she keeps on it, keeps on it. And wow. Finally, you're like, "Well, you know, it's the music thing. I wish I would have done that." I'm getting performing songwriter at the house. I'm the one guy that wants to go see, you know, Buddy Monlock play in Kansas City, or, uh-huh. or you know, or, there's and, tells yeah, everywhere. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Tells. Every, Lyle Lovett posters, and you know, I mean, I'm way inside the. She the walks songwriter. in, and you put the magazine where it was. What are you reading? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Nothing. Just some really smutty magazine. It was around Irish. <laughs> Honey, let me see it. Performing songwriter Ted Gummyberry Pierce Pettis. and uh you know ears yes god believes is there any greater song in the world than god (laughs) believes in you i heard that song and i was like we need to stop everybody what he did
3: it uh, he did it how did he not get the award shouldn't you get all the awards for that and um so yeah so i started so she found a cruise and said she came and said will you take me on a cruise i said yes that's my job and yeah. she, um, <laughs> she said it's this one. And Nashville Songwriters Association. I think they only did it twice. This was the second one. They did a cruise, and the faculty was like Prestwood, Craig Wiseman. Good gracious! Um, it was pre-lived like you were dying, Wiseman. Um, it was like Bubba Hyde. Yeah, he know. but get, but getting cut. But he was still yeah. Oh, and, and hits. I mean, he was still. Yeah, he he was had so green grass grows. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, uh, Seskin, and. Um, Angela Cassett and uh I can't remember, James Dean Hicks Ralph Murphy so it was that crew and I'm like Phew, I don't know and so I I took a CD with a couple songs and I sat in the back and took notes and then the last day uh, uh two of them came over and asked me to play a song and so I did and they said don't quit your day job but you should come to Nashville we're doing a thing in a month and you should come and so we started making trips back and forth and um and again, the only people we really knew is uh, Jin Schott was mm-hmm. working as a receptionist at Tom Collins Music. And there's a writer named George Taron we had met. And uh, he wrote uh, When I Get to Where I'm Going with mm-hmm. Rivers mm-hmm. and Real Good Man. And, and But he had lots of other songs, uh, Running Out of Reasons for or and And so I started making trips and going to song camps. And I think at the second song camp, the helper didn't show. So I became the helper. And I did that for several times, you know. And uh, my goal there was to make it something everybody would want to be so they would never be without volunteers. And I think mm. we were able to do that. And then after we'd done it, I think I helped three or four times, um, the pros came to me and said, no more helping. If you're in Nashville, you should be writing and meeting with people. And here's wow. people. So the writers are really who let me in, you know, mm-hmm. to that uh, world. So what, what finally got you to move here? Let's say I signed with BMG and then we moved uh, a year and a half later or so. Uh, It was God's will. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When that cut. And the truth is, and you may know this, this maybe why you're asking, but that was one of the bigger arguments Jen and I had. Because my argument was like, when I first said I was going to, I didn't tell anybody. Isn't
1: it? Can I just pause to say how fascinating it is that the answer to your question is a song called god's will but it's also just god's will
3: <laughs> i see it i see it now i <laughs> right. see it now but uh, at yeah. the time well and you know i had issues with that mm. you know and th- that was a place of oh like,
1: yeah literally like yeah, theologically
3: yeah it was a pain point and um i see that now yeah but at the time you know i was still trying you know i'm trying to write clever songs that's what i thought i was supposed to do was write something really clever and then they'll they'll sign me right because i wrote something really clever and um, I see that, you know, where people think, oh my, the goal is the flip, or the goal is the wink. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, anyway, what, what happened really was, um, you know, once we started, once people found out I was trying to become a songwriter, um, a lot of people that had been friends, I had some that stayed right with us the whole way. In fact, that's what we focus on. But there were other folks, like, that I'm coaching Little League with, or flag football with, and they're like, oh, hi, hey, what's what's with the, uh, h- how's the little songwriting thing? Yes, and they yes. give you the look, you know. And their wives are coming to change. People gym, still do that. And people. they're going like, hey, you should, uh, you should get bury a new vehicle, maybe a truck or something, oh or gosh. maybe the guys could go and play golf. Right. And the this stuff. is like a midlife crisis. Or right. Something. He's being where's something skimpy yeah. tonight? And they're kind of <laughs> saying it to her like. Don't let him go crazy, because our husbands might act weird too. Oh yeah, yeah. So there was this an whole thing; house so, of cards could fall. That's right. Yeah. We're all—it's a small town, you know. We're we're all trying to be amused in some way, right? That's—I feel like a lot of drama in small towns <laughs> is just everybody's just <laughs> that, is bit, wildly, that, <laughs> that is <laughs> a wildly that is a wildly deep comment. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's the new Vengeance movie that B.J. Novak has. He oh yeah. There's a saying in there where somebody says, uh, "the the local guy says the people here." They're, people act like these people are dumb. They're not. They're really smart. They're just bored, and that can create a lot of trouble. Wow. Uh, and I, I thought, that sounds like, you know, I, I hear stories sometimes from my hometown, and they'll be like, he did what? Oh, yeah. And, totally. <laughs> you know, and you're like, just one day, just got bored and just yeah. couldn't take it anymore. And so, uh, so anyway, uh, when those Can songs, I just make a comment really quick? Yeah. How much I think about
1: this so much. And it's some of my personality type. But how much of life is just being bored? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like as a human, yeah, that's a very real thing. It's just it's like, very real thing. like, oh yeah, boredom is a like, it's a it, like. I get older. I think about that much more than I used to. Like, yeah, you just kind of find yourself sitting there going, like, well. And some people listen. to This are like, bro. I'm like <laughs> hoeing
0: my field. What what is boredom like? Dude, I mean, <laughs> we we could go down a rabbit trail here because I feel like boredom is a real element of life that I hadn't thought about. Yeah, you know, like when you're a kid, you're like, ah, I'm bored. What do I do? But like, it's, it's like this thing that I'm like, no, boredom is like some is like, has an energy. It has like a power to it. Yeah. And as a parent, there's the, there's the whole thing where I'm <laughs> like, my kids are never bored. And I'm worried about that. Like they need to be bored yeah but also like for me it it bleeds into like meditation and prayer life and all that kind of stuff and like me realizing over the last couple of years maybe probably covid sped this whole thing up <laughs> Yeah, with, like i am so terrified of just being alone with my thoughts and i gotta like confront that and like I got to get comfortable with it. I got to lean
3: into it. But that's a whole, we could go down that whole road. Those are know. great points because there is this element of time that is unstructured yeah. can be boredom or it can be play. Hmm. Or for some people, that structure, what what we might version as boredom, is actually safety. Because mm-hmm. for some people, that the fact that it doesn't change and that we always do this thing on this thing and that's all we do and... You know, I don't want, and I'm not that guy, but, but I have fr- friends that are that way, and you realize, oh, we're looking at the same thing through completely different lenses, right. And it really is. It, there's an interesting study there. I think you're right. Of of like, when is boredom turned into uh f- space for children for uh, you know unstructured play and for having to create your own toy out of a right. thing you know, to make your there's own a world.
0: muscle that i as a parent i'm like i'm letting it atrophy to d- my I kids detriment I you know
3: it. i doubt seriously either one of you are harming your children in any way or in any way that is we all make mistakes i right. think yeah but i don't think there's anything going on that's I don't think they'll be lesser for anything. Oh, no, Barry, I think, you're sweet. No, I, d- I, d- I, d- I think it's a huge fear, you know I mean? Uh, oh, yeah. At least for me, it's a... There's, there's just, to your point, John, and, and we can
1: move on after this, it, it's sort of, it, you said it better than I can. It, it, there's something, there's just an inordinate amount of uh, downtime slash boredom as a human the existence part of human existence is really interesting, the older mm. I get, like and i and 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 all that to say, I have a lot of empathy for people who make bad decisions because they get bored, like I find the older I get I'm yeah. like yeah, I sort of get how somebody could go crazy if they've sat around long enough or feel like they don't have a purpose or hmm. their job is not giving them some sense of direction or 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 meaning, yeah, like well, and I think it's that a it's lot like, of life to sit and feel that way, yeah, you know what I mean, like there's just a lot of hours in the day to sort of at some point yeah. finally go, Yeah, I don't love this feeling. And i, I need <laughs> right. to do something to But it's like the escape
0: feeling. of it yeah. that that leads to some of that yes. stuff. That's so right. f- for me, um which I i feel like I I do this a lot where I'm like looking at I'm I'm terrified of like empty nest time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, we have to start we're like constantly coming to crossroads. And I'm like, I wanna take the healthy side, you know, so that in 12 years or whatever when we're empty nesters like we're good here, Whatever.
1: here. You know it's interesting and I wonder if you feel this way. I mean I know you've been so which I want to get to this in a second with your daughter and all the, the cool stuff y'all are doing around the wheelchair mm. um, the yard development which is incredible. But so I know you've been busy doing that but I mean I do think what we do for a living be it the artistic part of our lives the songwriter part which we all do I, I have my hope I've, I've thought about this a lot John my hope with my life is that I'm so well acquainted to the rhythm of that life? At because there's there's weeks mm-hmm. like if you don't book and you know you aren't working on the project and you don't book like stuff and your kids are not super busy. I mean I know we've talked about this. You can kind of look up and go like I have like three days where there's nothing on my calendar. Yeah, right. And yeah. And, and so you kind of have to hit a RPM mm-hmm. in your heart and your soul where you're kind of right. like I need to adjust for these three days because if I'm not careful. I'm going to look up that second day and and be crazy, which I know is not a common thing. Probably a lot of guys and girls listen to this because life's, but I mean, with what we do instead of your point, John, I am like, please God, let me by the time I retire, whatever that is, be at least like, no, I kind of know how to do this because you see guys and girls come out of the stratosphere, just steaming into retirement and they sort of hit the brakes Some people, like, I I feel like my parents have done this really well. They were just so busy and so tired of being busy that they've loved retirement. They loved it. They are like, man, second gear – is the best gear in the world right you know right. they kind of get to the finish line fall down barely get their <laughs> hand across the line and they're like i'm done now i can retire and i can enjoy yeah. that but i think you know there's a lot of people who come in screaming and hit zero so quick that they kind of go crazy in a year yeah, or two you know right. or they get For another sure. job oh, Or yeah. they oh you know, yeah that, that transition is is tricky and so i think there is yeah. something that i hope i hope that we that because of what we do and we're intermittently retired for a couple of days at a time, yeah, yeah, know, yeah, every yeah. month. <laughs> yeah. That you sort of go, no, I kind of think I, know, I even if I don't, even if I don't know what it's like to retire, I have glimpsed of glimpses of it enough to have a little bit of a thought around how what right. to do with it. Where right. I yeah. think there are other occupations you can come in so hot that you're yeah. like six months in, totally. you're like I've never had more
0: fun. Six months in a day, and you're like. You know, just wake up well, and there's, and there's just like a subtle hum. There's, there's the macro the thing. There's the macro, then there's the little micro things, and I kind of feel like I'm in a, in a phase where the micro things are, are they, what trip me up. Like get I'm you. like, <laughs> yes. and I'm talking micro like, like I'm gonna go to bed tonight. I'm not gonna no phone. Yeah. No book. I'm just gonna lay down and close my eyes. Yeah. And, I, and I, I'm saying that right now. I'm, I'm not going to do that tonight, probably. It's yeah. too late. I don't want to do that. And, yeah. I, and I don't like that I so don't want to do that. Yeah. Part of me is like, why can't you just lay down and ju- g- just go pee without your phone?
2: Yeah. It's terrible. That's yeah. just that's me so and my thoughts. Yeah. yeah. For,
0: you know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Dave, I want to give a shout-out, and when I give a shout-out, I always laugh because it just brings me so much joy to give a shout-out to Claritin for supporting this
1: episode and providing us with free samples. You know it, John. This time of year, my allergies are in fuego. They're Mm -hmm. always on the attack, but I use this, and you should, too.
0: Oh, I do, Dave. Every day in our house. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, which is is me raising my hand,
1: Claritin D has two powerful ingredients, just one pill, to relieve your allergy
0: symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double-action combination of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, and itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease.
1: John, I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for a long time, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can go for a run without my eyes watering. I may be crying, but it's not sure. for allergies. Totally different. And I can sing without feeling like I have a fr- like a big old, let's not even call it a frog. It's a, It's like a toad. It's
0: like a family of toads. It's a family. It's a turtle.
2: Yeah. In my so
0: you ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? Yeah, me. I it's don't. time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter.
1: Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Uses directed. Hey, Dave. Yeah.
0: I would like to Oh, give-
1: shoot. I'm sorry. John. Okay, keep going. Oh, there we go. I didn't even mind. catch that. Yeah. I'm so comfortable now.
0: Can I can I say something from our, our sponsor, BetterHelp, right now? Free your mind,
1: and the rest will follow.
0: Listen, speaking of mine, that, my mind gets hazy sometimes with all like the pressures of daily life. Yeah. I don't know about you.
1: Oh, mine too. How well would you take care of your car if you had to keep the same one for your entire life, right? You'd probably take care of it. That's how really our brains work, John. So why don't we treat them like that?
0: I totally agree. Yeah. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain like learning a new language or taking power naps, there's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. I'm all about
1: them naps. Plus, since it's online, it fits within your schedule. You can do video, phone, or even live chat sessions. No need to comb that hair, Johnny. No,
0: no need. But I'm glad and that it's you It's much more affordable than in person therapy, and you'll be matched with a therapist within 48 hours. Our listeners get 10%
1: off their first month at betterhelpcom dadville. That's
3: slash dadville. I don't think I had a, a, a day or a moment that I was awake or even asleep without music blaring. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, this, Until you're explaining I was my life. Like, I was definitely late into my 20s. I had a counselor, the same creativity as as Active Courage guy. Um, He was in Springfield, which was like, you know, let's say an hour and a half away, a little less than that, actually. But he would say, I want you to drive over. No phone, no music, nobody coming with you. I want you to drive over to the thing and drive home. And I remember the I I can still when you were talking about that I can still remember that first drive seemed like it took forever. If I'd have been a wagon, it wouldn't have been slower. (laughs) And uh, I just felt like wagon going backwards. You know, I felt like I was just like. But over time, I got I got where I could could do it. And and now, I'm more of a friend with. There's an old uh, there's a singer from the way way back named Randy Stonehill, and uh, I don't even know this song, but I just remember this line all the time, uh, and it it. Bothered me when I was young, and the line was, "It's like I we know in our soul if we tol- turn off the music, the wind will be crying his name." Wow! And um, and I was always like, I don't want to turn off. The- I, I always wanted it yeah. on. You know, I always wanted something to comfort. Yeah. And but I also would say this: I just uh, about that. There is when emptiness occurs, which was probably for me never. But when that happens, mm. there will be a new thing that is as mm. good or better yeah and that's just as hard to prepare and trust for right as knowing it is you yeah. know i mean it's the true. unknowing is very hard and and i know that's going to be the case and and but it's it it's a hard thing to do and i also think there are seasons we go through and i don't know you know uh this would have been a better qu- topic with al andrews i think for sure and uh mm-hmm. but i do i remember reading a book about seasons in a in a man's life and And I remember thinking, oh, I see now. Like, I I used to feel so much guilt that I worked a lot. Mm -hmm. And I do wish I worked less. And I do feel bad about um, lots of choices I made, you know, especially with my oldest and working so hard and being gone so much. And uh, at the same time, that was the season I was in. And that is something that, right or wrong, he took from me and yeah. i took it from my dad yeah. and so mm. there is a certain point where um it does become what you know and um and whatever you do they'll probably uh some one of them will react to it and do the opposite yeah. which is it will be interesting they'll be like quietly meditating all the time you'll be like how in the world are they doing that and <laughs> yeah. uh, they're just doing it to make you crazy
1: that's yeah. all yeah <laughs> <laughs> tell me this what what tell us about what you've been working on lately i think this is oh. just such yeah. a fascinating thing.
3: Yeah, so uh, several years ago, four or five years ago, um, my daughter, Catherine, um, also Jen's daughter, uh, <laughs> is uh, in it a wheelchair. It happens to be. It happens to be. So convenient. She's in a wheelchair, and she has cerebral palsy. She was born very, very early. And um, and I don't advise it. I say you wait the whole time. I think, you know, just <laughs> It ahead. just makes but everything yes, 40 history. weeks. Just just yeah. wait the 40. And just, <laughs> just settle in. Stop being impatient. <laughs> and uh, But she was born 16 weeks early, and so um that was a whole journey you know that we went on because she's how old now she's 21 okay and um and you know that and that that you know this i think but that fundamentally changed how i wrote songs i wrote that day mm-hmm. with tom douglas my first time and i threw every clever idea i had and he took me to lunch which tells you how bad i was doing <laughs> and uh the old houston's yeah uh-huh, yes. and uh and then we came back to fire hall sony and um I don't know why, but he said, let's go back in, which I can't, still can't believe he did.
2: Uh, um, changed your life.
3: Yeah, and we go back in. He says, is there anything else? And, and I'd kind of run out of clever things to say. Mm. And, um, but when Catherine was in the NICU in the middle of the night, somebody had said, well-intentioned, as we were walking back in that NICU uh, in St. Louis, um, somebody said, well, we don't know why it is, but this is God's will. And on the walk-in, I said to Jen, oh, look, there's God's Isaac, and there's God's... Mm. And she said, careful. You know, like, where are you going with this? And so that night I wrote, um, why does this bother me? What am I wrestling with? And I had grown up, you know, I'm very fortunate. You know, I grew up in a, in a, a home where, you know, faith was a really big deal. Um, maybe even too big of a deal, if that's possible. Mm. And um, somebody, uh, Natalie and I joke, can be... You know, the, I'll say it started Pentecostal, but it was more charismatic because Pentecostals <laughs> kind of cry when they pray, and and charismatic <laughs> kind of claim things, and so it was a little more that. And uh, but but I grew up in that environment, and so sometimes it was uh, used a little flippantly, hmm. maybe yeah. the will of God. And uh, who am I? But uh, but it felt that way, and right. I had some issues with it, and had lost some friends, and mm. it had some things that were I had not sorted. Yeah, and. Um, So I wrote that night. Because all you could do, you sit there all night in this NICU in St. Louis and just write and write and write and write. So that day, I said to Tom, you know, uh, I really don't have any other titles or anything, but I did have this one weird thing about God's will, but it's like a boy. And he was like, what? And I was like, because like you're always told like this is the will, but you don't know, and you wrestle with it. And then Tom knew, you know, being a Presbyterian, he spent a lot of time over there. And that's the reason I thought of Tom you know, Calvinist. And uh so uh glad that's over with. And uh <laughs> one of my favorite jokes of all time. What does a Calvinist say after he fall down the stairs? I'm so glad that's over with. Yeah, I mean destination. And uh so uh so he he took off and and uh sort of played something and then I played something and then we started working on something and he said, "What else do you have?" And I opened my journal and tore the pages out and spread them there. And I like to say then Tom Douglas taught me how to write a song because yeah, uh-huh. he basically was like, "This is what you're wrestling with, and this is what you're trying to say." And mm-hmm. and then uh, and then we wrote that song. So Catherine has always been a very interesting person, you know. In you know, and I think that's why I was so freaked out with Olita and God's Will when they got cut because I thought if if it has to hurt this bad to write a song, yeah, you know. But yeah. at the same time, it also made me. Um, neither of them followed the structure of the time and mm-hmm. neither of them made sense as commercial. I just thought, well, I'm going to try to follow this path that, that you know, Tom is showing. And Mike Reed was such mm-hmm. a big deal to me and still is. So, anyway, flash forward. Um, Catherine's getting older and Troy Verges, I think you wrote at Troy quite a bit, and um, or did. And uh, Troy is amazing and his mother is amazing. And she had, uh, I think it's Guillaume Beret, is how you say it. And so she was in a wheelchair. She'd never been in a wheelchair, but suddenly she was in a wheelchair. And she took a ramp, turned just a little too soon, and threw her in the street and hurt her. And and so it really was horrible. But she had the same kind of chair my daughter had. And so I thought, oh, man, we need to get a a chair that's uh, safer. And you know how the world is. I mean, Peloton, you know, my bathroom scale can tell me my favorite color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, everything's so connected, right? And uh, so I thought, we'll just find it. I couldn't find it. And uh, then uh, I called my brother. I said, I'm doing research. I can't find this. There has to be, maybe it's in Europe, a smarter chair that has some basic collision avoidance like a car would have or drop-off protection or just actually something we could hack, just a brain on it that yeah. we could hack. And no, turns out they hadn't really changed very much in the last 20-some years. You know, this would be a very short story if I didn't have a brother 14 years younger than me who's a genius engineer mm-hmm. in systems and product design And, um, so he and I talked and then he built a prototype and, and it worked. And so then I was like, my gosh, this could help a lot of people, you know, other friends of Catherine's and our family. And
1: can I tell you what I think is unbelievably crazy about this story already is thinking how much your parents and you share the same ideology.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't see it then, but I do see it now. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. And, and. Well, yeah, it's crazy. Or, you know, my dad would say, it's not crazy. It's a God thing. You know, he would <laughs> yeah. he would not see it as crazy. It is not serendipitous. It yeah, is not right, an accident. Yeah, right, 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 but, but for people who struggle with that kind of talk, you know, I mean, it is, it has been an interesting fact that a lot of the things that my parents might have even called uh, regrets or mistakes mm-hmm. or I wish we hadn't have been, those things saw, look, this is a way to help a lot of people and let's see if we can find it anywhere else. We went to the International Seating Symposium, which is the big uh seat of mobility oh yeah yeah conference. Yeah. No one was working on it because it's really hard. And also because um frankly, uh you know, it's a it's an industry that exists in kind of a a back lot. Uh medical doesn't really worry because it's durable medical goods and tech doesn't really worry about it. And uh, you know, so it's kind of over here. Even if you're getting your degree in physical therapy, you might spend five years on your degree and only spend five hours on wheelchairs. Yeah. And if you think about it, there are lots of people who, you know, work with a physical therapist, Oh, we'll get you back playing golf. We'll get you back to normal. We'll get, you know, physical rehabilitation, back to normal. Right, right. Yeah. What happens when you're Catherine Dean and you had these massive bleeds in your brain when you were sixteen weeks early? And You will improve, but you will never be quote back to some Mm. stereotypical normal. Um, That's a different approach, yeah, and very important. Um, And so, Jared, just you know, we were able to see a prototype that worked, and and so then I was like, oh my gosh, this this could help a lot of people. And we really thought we'll just do the legwork on sorting it all out, get a little uh, you know, file a few patents. And then we'll, um, we'll go to them, they'll be thrilled, right? They'll be thrilled, the industry will be thrilled. <laughs> and, um, and so what you learn about that is that the industry, and I'm not talking about people who are working at everyone in the company, but I'm saying at the top level, at the C-suite and the core of why an industry exists, um, th- they weren't looking for innovation and they, w- and they don't consider the person in the chair the customer. They have hmm. a payer code with wow. insurance and Medicare and Medicaid, right? And they've got a sweet little yeah, it's a train sweet train that's running. They're making you know, depending upon what level they are, they're they're making about 160 percent margin on things. Jeez. Wow! So it's a cash cow, right? Yeah. I make it for a hundred dollars, I sell it for a thousand dollars or more. And, you know, let's roll. You know, I mean, so there's always a dad like me with a daughter like mine yeah. or a person who just found out, God forbid, that they have ALS and they are going to be fighting that fight. There's always somebody who needs their product and they can sort of control it. There's five manufacturers. There's three national distributors. There wow. it is. The That's end. the whole market.
0: So so, so what are the, the, like, how would you sum up
3: what your chair, her chair, does how is it different so so it's a it's a frame that goes on existing power chairs we didn't make a new chair because you know they're just wheels and a boat battery and a seat you know yeah but we you put the frame on and it's got radars that we invented with TI and uh, Intel RealSense cameras that we hot rodded with them and and then uh, ultrasonics that are special custom and there's an arm processor just like your phone and it's connected to the rest of the world you know, through secure networking, military-grade stuff. And so what it means is uh, you won't drive into a wall, yeah. um, which those crashes can break your knees and yeah. your toes. Right. And yeah. So you won't drive into things or other people or your service animal. And you won't drive off a curb, which happens a lot. And, I mean, there's, there's two or three times more people going to the ER every year in the U.S. for wheelchair inter- injuries than motorcycle accidents. Holy no cow, way. Barry. Yeah, shocking. And again, I got to tell you, I have a daughter who's been in, this is her third or fourth chair, and I didn't know this stuff. So I start yeah. researching the market because of where I come from originally. Yeah, yeah. Background. And you start going, oh, wait, I see what this is. This is uh, this is quite a situation. And we've been really welcomed. We I can say this because my brother and his team really are to credit for this. If, Like I said, it's a very short story. Songwriter Dad wishes something different that would be the end of the story. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Jared and his team and Pete Knapp, our COO, and what they all do. And, and so we started this company. Well, first we worked on it for about a year. Then we went to one of the companies in the industry. And uh, and they're here. You know, there's a lot of industry companies here in Nashville. And um, they really wanted to buy it to shelve it so it wouldn't disrupt things. Uh-huh. And um, I couldn't believe it, by the way. But, but then we had the meetings and our advisors were right you know and the the people who helped develop OnStar and a lot of precision agriculture you know gps they helped us develop this and so um so then we were like oh my gosh we've got to start a company so four years ago uh we started a company and we were getting ready to come out when the world locked down Mm. and so then we did announce uh two years ago about this time and um and fortunately we once you know time magazine and popular science and Fastco and, and all this yeah. came out and really support us. We were just at uh, Fortune and Aspen and Fortune has to speak in, in uh, Silicon Valley uh, in December. We're in F- Forbes article dropped today. Oh so I mean, uh, so, so the outside the industry in the tech world, everybody was like, we totally get it. We've got about 24 patents and, and our patents are being cited by Apple and other people. I mean, so so we did the work and in the industry, you've got, a group of companies who are working with us and excited, but you've got a couple of companies who are trying to kill us. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, they're spreading lies and they're doing things, and and it's a little tough, you know. I mean, you see some of these folks in town, you know. What I mean, like, you know, you're, wow. you're, you're like, oh my gosh, you 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 know, how, why? Well, I get yeah. it. I get it. You don't get to make your crazy margin on this because the margin isn't this high, because we're trying right. to make sure everybody can get to it. Yeah. But it does other things, too. It it Like your seating, uh, pressure injuries are a huge issue. That's uh-huh. what killed Christopher Reeve, oh, the, the wow. Superman guy. And um, so mitigating pressure injuries, and we know from stats, by the way, that everyone in a wheelchair will deal with it. 97% of people will deal with pressure injuries. And, and that's where you just, you can't adjust,
0: you can't, your right. body is like sitting in the same Yeah, spot and you, your you
3: skin want. starts, the tissue dies, it yeah. cuts off blood flow to that area of your your seated area, and, um, and it's, it can, r- surgeries, and then you're bedridden for a long period of time, you right. can't go to work, you can't go out in the community. And so, so the result of what we're doing now is to be able to begin to help. Warn about those things. Show mitigation. Give readouts of that. Jeez, uh, there's weird. a new thing we just showed that will allow you to never drive off ramps into your van again using tagging, and th- there's a whole bunch of things that are possible because we were uh, able to invent a platform. It's it it works. Yeah. If you think of it like a platform that's probably the best way to think is uh, or an os you know we're able yes there's this hardware thing that goes in the chair but already two of the five manufacturers are going to start installing it at the factory in the next month so we'll move more out of hardware and into software and and data so it's been you know i'll write a few days and then I'll go do that. And sometimes they'll cross over, you know, and I'll go like I played the San Jose radio show out there, you know, with Nate and then had meetings while mm-hmm. I was in Silicon Valley. And so it, it, it's been a strange uh, whirlwind. But in a way, I've always pr- pretty much always been doing two jobs anyway, even when yeah. we moved here to write. I continued to oversee and produce voiceovers. I didn't do the voiceovers but I produced them for software for the company so there would be insurance for my family. Yes, you know? So yeah. so I've always had to, you know I've always been that way and and so that's been kind of what we've done. But that I think the hardest part of the journey you would I would think it would be the risk of the money and the time away and all the work. But it actually the hardest part has been that you can have a couple of companies try to try to destroy opportunities mm-hmm. for people i mean what's the if there is a, is karma what is the karmic debt ongoing right. look all they would all a person would like is for their wheelchair to be as smart as a toaster right and you're stopping that to be oh a, you I can't know. imagine and it's it's so personal for you. It couldn't yeah. be more personal. Yeah, and so it's it's been a, and now we're doing right now we're working with investment and funding, you know, and getting the next round of funding for the company and everything to this point has been uh our family. And mm-hmm. uh but but now so that's exciting. You know, in the next few months that'll start to close and, and be done and that'll allow it to, to kinda take off and grow and, and I believe, you know, we'll come back in a year or so and, and what you're gonna see is a lot I mean there's Right now, there's a million more people that live their whole life in wheelchairs and they get to buy a new one every four or five years. So, uh, one young lady called it her pair of pants she has to wear for five years in a row. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so, there's a million more of those people than there are driving electric vehicles in the U.S. Wow. And a million and more. It, most people just haven't, and it's, I understand, most people have just not thought about it. Right. And, wow. um, and that's not wrong, but, but it is an interesting opportunity to go if we can build intelligence and safety so that riders can have more confidence in what they're working with and more health information as well we work with amazon alexa and all those things and wow. um and then i want us to start working with you know festivals to provide yeah. lanes and and, and sa- so that way everybody's safe in their travel and and we're encouraging people to get out and feel a part of the world so yes.
0: how do you how do you work with like insurance companies on getting them to cover because I'm, I'm yeah i'm guessing this is this is a lot more expensive than a regular chair
3: well yeah they buy the regular chair and um and this is interesting too um for instance my daughter's chair is like a camry it's a uh-huh. very nice but it's not yeah but it's it's very nice and the retail on it was eighty two thousand dollars wow now that gets settled out with insurance in the high 30s And normally I write a check for some feature or something. So, like, if you want a charger for your phone on a wheelchair, that's a five hundred and forty dollars option. Seems a little steep, does it not? I mean, and uh, yeah. So if you want tilt and recline, that's that's ten to twelve grand. I mean, so every little thing is a is a money maker, if you will. Right. So, the that's a bummer. But the answer to your question is, we assumed lucy lucy costs about eighty five hundred bucks we thought oh that's going to be private pay but um but that's not what's happened in the first year plus of our business uh, only four percent of our sales have been private pay the rest have been covered by medicare and medicare wow. that's great and and over half our sales were va as well we've been yeah. done a lot of work and that's you know it's that's the best part of the the lucy journey and 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 it was a scary thing to do. I'm not going to lie. When we first started, there were a few friends that were like, oh, don't tell anybody in the music business that you're doing this or they want to write with you because you're not focused. Hmm. And I was worried about that. And, um, but but at a certain point we just decided to do it and some folks did go so how's the little wheelchair thing going mm. you know just like my friends had done you know and, yeah, and right. I get it because it's so right. weird right so if I looked at you right now and said I'm going to be an underwear model you would go I don't know And uh, interested <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> is this a special magazine of some kind um, but but so I get it that it's it's performing, it's, it, right? it's performing songwriter yeah. and <laughs> there's a new section <laughs> I mean, <it's> like <laughs> after the petty interviews then come the strange deal where the pity size, interviews is plus size songwriters yeah <laughs> there's petty interviews and pity and inter- pity interviews pity, underviews. pity, 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 pity underviews. interviews very nice and so that, it
1: just feels like i hear you talk about it i'm like i just can't think of more of a love letter to your daughter it totally. just feels like this incredible obviously you have a lot of sweat blood sweat and tears in the project itself so yeah. i mean me saying that's a very poetic thing cuz you're like you should say how much i've worked on this but you know <laughs> right, it, it just right. i can't think of something that is more of just a beautiful example of a dad trying to serve a child well and yeah. you all
0: we all want to serve our kids and especially i would have to imagine when you have a child who is dealt the hand that she's dealt yeah you want to help all the more and and so often it's like you can't do anything. You can just be there. So, to have this thing where it's like, this is a kinetic thing that I can like really dive into, it's got to be really
3: satisfying. I think so. And I, I, um, I you know, also, I'm her dad. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm sorry, I'm rambling on these crazy stories. But one of the first things Jared and I did was Catherine had an issue at night, you know, where she'd have a lot of saliva uh-huh. and it would pool. It was kind of gr- gross and I felt bad. It was on her skin. So I said to him, "Can we make a pillowcase that would wick like shamwow it, but feel like a spa?" And my brother's like, "You're such an idiot!" <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's he's just putting up with me. And uh, but uh, but but he figured it out. I could say we figured it out. Like when we write yeah. a song, yeah, yeah I right. wrote it down for <laughs> Dave, right? It's same <laughs> no, deal. Jared you do that. figured it out. He yeah. created these layers, and and so it did it. And so it was really cool. And we did them, and several people use it i think mm-hmm. uh, you know i think sean mcconnell's daughter used it and oh, yeah. other folks used it the, the fact is uh, that's not as big a problem now but my daughter doesn't use it because it doesn't match <laughs> and that to me is the most dad moment where you're that's like so great i saw this problem and i right. fixed here it. it i fixed it for you honey here you are It's red and does not go with what I am doing here. She didn't say it like that, (laughs) but it it is funny. Like, so, you know, with with a lot of the things we're doing now with Lucy, um, I think she's, somebody asked me how she feel about it. Mm. I'm not sure she's fully aware that it's catching her when it's catching her. What she's aware of is she's allowed to be more independent and do things she wants and she has her freedom and we aren't messing with her chair. And yeah. she likes that, yeah. and I think the seating will be the same thing. She will really enjoy, because pressure injuries are are a devastating thing, and, and so the idea of mitigating those and, and making those less is uh, is a worthy thing. So, yeah. how do your how do your sons think about it? Like, I think uh, I'm not sure that my 13 year old thinks about it mm-hmm. very much, uh, but my 15 year old wants th- he wants in the fight. Wow, so, yeah, he's uh, he has a polo. Uh, with Lucy on it. he's yeah. always wanting to go he's he's aware that we're engaged in you know marketing strategy you know you have typical marketing but then you also have some marketing where you're trying to to deal with an ecosystem that not a whole ecosystem but a few players that are they're bad actors they're they're they're, they're basically being bad guys in the movie yeah and one of my good friends Scott Russell but he used to always say I want to make sure I'm the hero of the movie uh, and he would always kind of encourage me when it was a tough time, and I would think i'm gonna say, do whatever you want, just make sure you stay the hero of the movie. Mm. The hero of the movie probably says he's sorry, yeah, you mm. know the hero of the movie's gonna admit when he's when he's wrong or he's gonna not say it even though he could right, and it's hard for me, you know, but it's helpful to have that, but there's some people who are being bad guys, and as he became during lockdown where I'm working in the front room and he's in the other room. He 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 took it. He's he's he wants to be a part of it. Mm. So I think if we go back out on the road, um, doing road shows and meetings, we'll, we'll probably let him go and stuff. Oh, that's and so he's, cool! Um, but I think he he sees it and, and he'll send me notes. You know, have you thought about this? You know, that's uh, so this cool. YouTuber did this. You could do that. And Johnny, Dave, Johnny, Dave.
1: Dave. there it is okay okay I, I was looking for the right one yeah. um i got some bad news and you've written a song about this john yeah i think i know where you're going with this we say it
0: Summer is thank over. you yes i wanted you to say that we were tangled in the morning sun. i want to
1: do that for years
2: <laughs> years john
0: yeah, yeah I, I you know i'm looking at my calendar and it agrees with you yeah i think you're right
1: it makes me sad that grilling season it's almost done john I know. Almost well done.
0: (laughs) Hey. there! I knew you had something in there.
1: (laughs) When it comes to charred meat, do you like to mix it up, John? Indeed I do, Dave. You know that.
0: That's why my go-to for grilling is ButcherBox. Okay. Okay. Let me tell you why. ButcherBox is a subscription service that delivers high-quality meat and seafood right to your doorstep. Now, they could leave it on the corner... And you can well, walk down and get it? Others may. Others may. Not put
1: your box no, right like, to your door. where do you live? We want to actually bring it to yep. you. That's why they love you, John, is they do yep. that. That's the extra step, or maybe mm-hmm. 20 to your doorstep. You can choose from a carefully curated selection of 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, wild-caught seafood, and more.
0: And there's just something about that grass-fed beef, yeah, yeah. It almost makes me want to start a cow farm, you know? I. Um, you in on that? I
1: have a suspicion that's not legal in nashville but okay. i'm not
0: saying no i'm we'll just check, saying i won't we'll be there when the it. cops show up okay yeah. we'll check into yeah. it yeah so in the meantime mm-hmm. there are no antibiotics or added hormones yeah right each order is packed fresh and shipped frozen for convenience so you can save time on your next grocery store trip yeah. customize your own box or go with one of theirs yeah either way you're getting exactly what you want
1: that sounds
2: F-amazing. amazing
1: oh. which means phenomenal and amazing, oh, okay. and all Street.
0: all that, all that for less than six bucks a meal on average, That's John. Amazing! Get summer sizzling mm, started, even though you. summer's almost over. Yeah. With this special <laughs> ButcherBox deal for our listeners, free Don't say bacon. It. I'll say it again, Dave. No, free even say bacon it. for the life of your membership, plus a hundred bucks off. Mm-hmm. Sign up
1: today at butcherbox.com/dadville and use the code bonus one hundred to get one pack of free bacon in every box for the life of
0: your membership plus a hundred dollars mm. off your first order that's butcherbox.com dadville and use the code bonus 100 to claim this f- amazing deal <laughs> again it's running parallel it is so yeah.
1: stinking parallel yeah. to your parents yeah. that your son is picking up yeah. at least your eldest your youngest is probably like you know yeah, he's he's. It's like you and your brother. <laughs> yeah, he's like. Yeah, that, that, I'm gonna live this life, but you can at least see with your oldest son that he's going. Oh, if there's a problem, you just go solve it. You, you whatever the thing is needs get done, yeah. just like your parents. Yeah, there's a hole in this industry we see, and we want to help people with it. Yeah, you did. You and your brother both face the industry i mean gen two and yeah, gen there's absolutely. a hole in the century she's making the snowballs yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly right. but isn't is. that crazy to yeah think and about?
3: he's and i would say this too the 13 year old his nature is really um they're both i i just think they're wonderful and of course my older son you know he's great and so it's it's been a real interesting journey this mm-hmm. whole lockdown and then launching the company during oh, the yeah, lockdown you have an son older than yeah my oldest was 30 that's right yeah and uh so when she uh when i met jennifer i was a single dad raising a boy and can we um, even skip that come on no that's all right and uh so um i've put uh you know 28 years or whatever in 600 miles between that story um and me but uh (laughs) but no it is one of those deals where you know when we moved here we had alex going into eighth grade yeah and katherine was four or, or something like that and um maybe just about to turn four and um so we've I, i'd have to do the math but i think that's right and um so yeah they it's it's a it's a crazy family and uh, well to
1: the thing which we didn't even talk about which parents who are walking through this journey like y'all are i remember at a right years ago you were telling me and whoever was in the right with us maybe jonathan singleton i think yeah. about the things y'all had to do to retrofit your house mm-hmm. right so that Catherine can be comfortable and it was just
0: I'm sure it's a boggling. whole other world that your eyes are open to
3: yeah I think so I mean we we did remodel it and, and Jen built a website out to share how we did it how you and did it all the models of that just to start because th- it was hard to find that information and, um, I think things are better now than that, but mm-hmm. we we pushed pause on that to do Lucy, <laughs> really. <laughs> so we thought well, I'll take three to six months and then we'll be back and and uh, and it's like and I, I, we really I was starting to produce a little bit and so we just pushed pause on everything except Lucy. We thought we'll do that yeah, and um and then and that's been you know four years ago and or more and so i yeah, here's what I will say too, you know, I don't normally talk a lot about it, but. We feel very blessed, and specifically what I mean by that is unmerited favor, isn't that what they call grace? Mm. and uh, I mean, where you can't believe that in spite of the mistakes and in spite of the failures and the setbacks and the choices that shouldn't have been made or or should have been made, um, that you get to be here and you get to have this family and you get to have these experiences. Um, every day I have to do my prayers and my things I read and my object writing I do I have a pretty ritualistic about it and um, because I want to make sure I'm set as well as I can uh, in that attitude because it's very easy for me at least to slide into the gray or the dark right uh, yeah. and maybe that's part of the songwriter thing yeah. the melancholy thing well, but don't want to lose the whole thing sad yeah. songs of country music, saddest that songs music. <laughs> that's your gasoline yeah. though so don't let's yeah. don't get rid and of and even of it. that right. even the sad song thing there was a moment where one day somebody said "Have you heard this song it's really sad i can't remember what it was but it might have been like three wooden crosses or something like that and i was like oh god i heard it i just can't it might have been letters from home actually mm-hmm. uh that's a monster song uh david lee and tony lane and um I said I can't do it. I love it so much, but I hate I hate listening to songs that are that sad. I like mm-hmm. happy songs, and everybody at the office was like, "I'm sorry, what?"
1: They're like, "I'm sorry, Barry, you would say, did sorry. you say
3: you like?" And it turns out, yeah, I do like you know I know all of them. Yeah, all the fun songs.
1: Okay, small side. Do you know what song? It made me cry mowing my yard. That's how, and wow. it does it every time. What's a uh, one more day, Diamond Rio? Oh.
2: Yeah, I can't. Uh, that's how I feel and about that And you think song. you're ahead of it? And then oh. it oh, I'm like, I got you, because it, it's kind of because you know it's a big chorus. Yeah. It's not
1: like a sag, but, One more and I'm telling you, hand the Bible. I'm in the middle of my yard, and I have to turn the mower off because sweat and tears are stinging my eyes, and I'm just like, I have one more day
3: to be with you. But I don't know. Yeah, I think Jandine lives, and I know my boys do. Even in movies and things, like they live for those things. For now, here we go oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's the breath you know you're just yeah. like you're trying to control the irregular breath and uh, <laughs> you're just like oh no I can't take it you know and uh, yeah that right. well
1: so so we've kept you here forever by the way and there's uh, a million more I questions I doubt really seriously I've
3: given you anything useful but I because I heard the other interviews and like they all had like really no good no no don't you do book. that you know they had a <laughs> don't book don't you do that book. Book. Well, you have a book it's just a matter of time yeah yeah we'll have you back when the
0: book's ready
1: oh okay so as you know we always end with a couple of questions okay I'll try um,
0: you want to go first for me. I'll go first. Okay, go. Yeah, we'll switch it. Okay. Um, what is the one thing you want your kids to know? Hmm.
3: I I think it I you know, you want to say that I love him, but I think it is that I love them the way they are. Mm-hmm. And then I'm proud of the way they are. I With my oldest boy, uh I had I grew up in a time where this was normal, so I want to protect my dad here a little bit. But there was this deal where it'd be like, 92% of what you do is good, or 98% of what you do is good, it's the 2% that ruins it. And he was just trying to get me to try harder. Yeah. Motivate me. But I kind of heard it, and that kind of spilled into my theology as well. And so with Alex, my oldest, I really wanted him to know, I love you, you're perfect the way you are. Yeah. And that sounds great until you realize it's the same trick. I didn't mean it that way because at a certain point he's trying to be perfect because he's been told he's perfect Yeah, like I was trying to get to perfect, right? right? Wow. And I had never thought of that. And so with the younger guys, (laughs) he was the stunt child, with the younger (laughs) guys and gals, I think I'm trying to go out of my way to just, just let them know that way you do that thing, I love you that way i th- mm. th- I love that about you t- all the things, mm. and that uh, i'm again i'm i'm just as demanding or more so than other parents i think but mm. but I love you the way you are, who you are mm. um, I'm not doing a good job of saying it, but I think that's mm. mm-hmm. the main thing. I don't need you to be perfect this way, and I don't need you to achieve perfect both of them are putting a pressure on uh I'm thinking of that counterfeit God's book, yeah. Yeah, too much it's too much for the for their their feet to hold and yeah. uh and so so I, i've been trying to do that because they're very different each one of them you know how yeah. it is i mean they're, yeah. they're different they're similar but they're very different and uh so
1: that that is small aside i mean i think it, that's a 10-part series for dadville it's like how children from the same parents <laughs> can be so wildly different right and just yeah. the idea that, like, and this is wisdom we always get on this show, but, like, how you just can't do, like, this is the way the dean's parent. This is the way right. the barnes parent. Like, well, and
0: know. they have different upbringings. Yeah, Same that's
1: house, exactly right. That's exactly right. But two right. different experiences. Yeah, I mean, that's why birth order is like it is all those things. Yeah. But
3: it's, yeah, you're right. There's this Those are all frames, aren't we? I mean, like, love mm-hmm. languages and birth order. And there, there's so many helpful now frames yeah. that let you kind of read it and look at your world through it and go, Oh, I didn't see. I was not aware of it. I, yeah. mean, I live in it, yeah. but I didn't see it. And so I feel like those kinds of things, like the birth order book, and the, mm-hmm. and the, those things are like these friends. a little. Yeah. It's yeah. like really said love language. I mean, that's a yeah. game changer, man. Yeah. It, for me, it was. I mean, I'd never thought of any of that. But, oh, you read it, and you went, oh. And it's helped, you know. Annie and I had a conversation the other
1: night, and I told her this. And we've been married almost 17 years now. It's one of the most um, helpful Eye-opening conversations we ever had because at one point she looked at me and she's like, and I'm 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 uh, not exactly quoting because it was more eloquent than this. Basically, she just said, "You've got to understand that I'm not and I never will be the way you are." Mm. You know, and you're like 17 years in that should be like if there's a list that's near one or two. Yeah, just kind of like things you should know by now. Right. <laughs> but hearing her say it, I thought about yeah. it for a week. I was like, I am still under the impression that she should be like me. <laughs> Yeah, I you know, totally get that. And so I think I think that with kids too, and I yeah. think that's a whole other again topic is like there's usually a kid that you relate to or understand much more than the other ones because they're like you. Yeah, right. and you're like, oh, I know every little. And that little can send you in two different that's right. directions. That's yeah. right. depending on how you react. That's to right. It. Yeah, that's exactly right. But yeah. all that say, okay. Second question: um, What do you want your kids to say at your funeral? Of uh, light years from now, so far away, because <laughs> by that point you've developed heart technology that's Bluetooth that keeps your heart pumping yeah. <laughs> past when <laughs> maybe it should be.
3: Yeah. Uh, I just, I I think of funerals I've been to that were, they were sad, but they were beautiful. And there was a lot of laughing. Mm. And there was a lot of like, uh, I hope it's not unfinished. I, I hope they feel like um I I hope they're sad. I always joke saying you know, I hope they're sad when I'm gone, um, but uh, they they probably won't be. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but what I really want is them to not feel it's unfinished. To feel like wow. I didn't. I never knew that part of him, or I didn't mm-hmm. know who he was, or yeah. or he he didn't ever tell me he loved me, or he didn't. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I know people, and and even in our in extended family who you know they never really felt their father told them they loved them or they never yeah. felt and and so I don't think that'll be the situation and I, I but I just I hope it doesn't feel unfinished I always feel um I feel like you know well, we have that a mutual friend who passed away early you mm-hmm. know and I was talking to somebody who worked with him you know was like a you know I think he was his mentor you know and and he said, well, he he told me this thing and it really hurt me and I don't know what to do with it. And mm. I was like, hey, if I could just step in here as a guy who's a decade older than him, if he had lived, <laughs> I swear to you, one day he would have woken up and gone, why did I say that? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he would have called. So just let me mm. be him and tell you, I'm going to take this thorn out. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to take it with me because I... I knew him just like you knew him, and I don't believe that's what he meant. And I don't know when you caught him, on what day he hadn't had his caffeine or whatever was going on with his health, but I don't want you to carry that anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that whatever happens at the funeral... I'm a bit of a control freak, so that'll probably be planned already. (laughs) Because if somebody gets up there and starts, sometimes we'll go to funerals, and I'll say to Jen, "I swear to God, if this happens, I'm coming up out of that (laughs) casket. I am not going to put up with this." And uh, so there are times where I'll say, "But I I want them to feel like it's okay if they're sad." But and I've said it to their face. Mm. If you know, we've had losses, just like everybody has, and. And so I've been on planes recently a lot for that. But I said to the guys, "Someday I will die, and it will not be a crisis in your life. Mm. It'll be perhaps sad, or perhaps celebration." And they always like whack whack. And then I'll say, "But, but it won't be a crisis because you'll know I love you, mm. and you'll know what our what our faith teaches us. And they'll decide how they're going to deal with that. But I think they believe that way, and and uh, and we'll see each other again. So." I, I just it was it wasn't talked about a lot in my family, um, and so I've tried to talk about it a little bit mm. in the sense of going, I'm going to sh- tell you this is out here and tell you, you will be okay, mm. that we have something else to hang yeah. our hat on here, and um, and so anyway, that's that's how I've approached There's it. There's something so powerful about being able to talk about it.
1: I remember the first time my dad and I I was back in this when they were still living in Knoxville. And uh we would go on these epic walks, me and Dad when I go home. And and I just asked him, I was like, How do you feel about dying? And like what do you think about it? and it was one of the most powerful like hours yeah. of my life just hearing my dad you know, it was super light, wasn't heavy, he mm-hmm. wasn't and it was appropriate, it wasn't like he was joking, but it was just kinda of like, you know, Dave, I am I'm, I'm proud of my life. I feel it. And it was just some like it exhumed something in me that just felt like, huh, okay, that's mm-hmm. not that's a beauty. I've never heard somebody say that, unfinished, but that's
3: how I felt. I felt like that's one thing now I know. I have something to yeah, hold. Yeah, when to. it happens, yeah. it doesn't feel and unf- there's not like you hear people talk about when they've lost parents when they're young, mm-hmm. and some of them become great writers. You think of Paul McCartney mm-hmm. and Lennon, and, and um, you know, but but that seems to be what I hear is. I never got to, I never knew about, yeah. I don't yeah. know who they are. Mm-hmm. When when they got to be in their late teens and the kind of the call of the blood, I want to know where I come from. I mm. want to know who I am. And they didn't have somebody there to answer that. Yeah. And so I think there's a, um, I think that's, uh, hopefully, you know, they'll feel that way about it. Because they've got, Jen, and so Jen's really key to the whole game. so yeah. I mean, so she'll. He's back there making. The I've snow noticed
0: lights. a a really beautiful theme with these last two questions that we've asked almost all of our guests, and I didn't I, I I didn't realize it until just just now, but I think for the most part, the answer to the first question is that I love them as they are. Mm-hmm. And the answer for the most part to the second question is I hope that they say that they knew me. Wow. Sure.
3: I think that's right.
1: Barry, you're a legend. Thank you a this million so times. is so great. Man. For yeah. doing Thanks for having me do this. Thank I'm sorry you, I
3: talked so, thank so you.
2: long. No, don't do that. No.